the fourth day. And God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters of the seas. Let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and the livestock according to their kinds, and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the ground. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit, you shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. I invite you to turn to the back section of the Trinity Psalter hymnal to page 859 in the back section. This is the Belgic Confession of Faith, one of the doctrinal standards of our church. And this morning we'll read Article 12, which is entitled, The Creation of All Things. Reading from page 859, Article 12. We believe that the Father created heaven and earth and all other creatures from nothing when it seemed good to him by his word, that is to say, by his Son. He has given all creatures their being, form, and appearance, and their various functions for serving their creator. Even now he also sustains and governs them all according to his eternal providence and by his infinite power that they may serve man in order that man may serve God. He has also created the angels good that they might be his messengers and serve his elect. Some of them have fallen from the excellence in which God created them into eternal perdition 
and others have persisted and remained in their original state by the grace of God. The devils and evil spirits are so corrupt that they are enemies of God and of everything good. They lie in wait for the church and of every member of it like thieves with all their power to destroy and spoil everything by their deceptions. So then, by their wickedness, they are condemned to everlasting damnation, daily awaiting their torments. For this reason, we detest the error of the Sadducees, who deny that there are spirits and angels, and also the error of the Manichaeans, who say that the devils originated by themselves, being evil by nature, without having been corrupted. This is our confession of faith. Well, this morning, we return to the beginning in our study of the Belgian Confession. Not, not the beginning of the confession, but the beginning of all things, the beginning of the world. We go back to creation. And as we, as we read this article in the Belgian Confession, uh, it is clear that the confession uh, certainly is a product of its time, based on what is included in the confession and what is not included in the confession. More than half of this article deals with the creation and the fall of the angels. Now, I suspect if we were writing this article today about the nature of creation, much more than half of the article, would deal with the days of creation. How long were these days? Were these regular, ordinary days? Were they long periods of time? Is the concept of days just a literary structure that God used to convey the message of creation to us? And much time would be spent on that. Many uh, religions have a record of how the world began a mythological history. Often it's the story of a, a war between two powerful competing gods, sometimes the god of the land competing against the god of the waters, and they fight together and there are compromises, and that's how we get a certain amount of land and water everywhere we see around us. Many have tried to understand what is the basic fundamental substance of creation. I think of the Greeks in their thoughts about where everything came from. Uh, the philosopher Thales saying that water is the basis of all things. The philosopher Heraclitus saying, no, it is not water, it is fire that's the basis of all things. Uh, a man like Anaxagoras talking about the seeds of God in creation, and Anaximander, an infinite and indefinite substance. That's where all things came from. When we think about these various approaches of where things came from, we, we have three, three basic ways of looking at creation. One is in terms of dualism, two warring forces, and this is the result of that war. Another is in terms of emanation, God, God emanating himself into the creation, which is where we get pantheism from, that, that the creation itself is a part of God. Or perhaps in our time, the most uh, 
common understanding of where things came from. Not dualism, not emanation, but evolution. A process without God in the mix, where things just sort of sprang up of their own accord. Now there is a place for honest debate about the nature of creation. But it's really too bad that we often get so caught up in the controversies of, of how all these things came to be that we miss the simple beauty of the story that God created all of these things. There is a time, there is a time for debate about the nature of creation. This is not that time. This is a time simply to look once again at God's glorious revelation in His Word and how it highlights His glory in the creation which He has made. We look this morning at at God's glory in creation. And the first thing we have to notice is that creation is a divine activity. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the word for God here is that word that just highlights his power, highlights his majesty. God, out of his power, was able to create out of nothing something which would now exist. Uh, we've talked before about, about how the creation of the world is attributed uh, primarily to the Father. God the Father is the primary actor in creation. God speaks and things come into being. Creation is a divine activity. God speaks and he speaks the word. Our confession says, we believe that the Father created heaven and earth and all other creatures from nothing when it seemed good to him by his word, that is to say, by his Son. God creates by the word, that is to say, by his Son. And I hope that that that, uh, sparks a memory for you, because back in December... We spent four Sundays studying uh, the first chapter of the Gospel of John. And we saw the connections between John 1 and Genesis 1. John begins this way, in the beginning, just like Genesis 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him... And without him was not anything made that has been made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And we talked about how all things were made by God the Father, but through the instrumentality of the Son. Creation is a divine activity. 
God the Father active, God the Son active, and God the Holy Spirit active. We saw again last week, where is the first place the Holy Spirit is mentioned in the scriptures? It's in verse 2, the second verse of the Bible. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the deep. The Spirit by His power there at creation. It is a divine activity. The Father as orchestrator, the Son as instrument, the Holy Spirit as power. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And we see that God does that in such a beautiful way. I don't know how many times I've read Genesis chapter 1, but I was struck again this past week at the order and the structure and the wisdom of God in creation. Imagine, kids, what if the very first thing God ever made What if the very first thing God ever made was a cat? What what, what, what would the cat eat? Where would he get his food? Where would he live? Where would he play? Where would be the little ball that he plays with? What if it was a cat that was the first thing? God doesn't make a cat first. But God uses wisdom, uses order, uses structure. He he creates space, and then he fills that space. We read that the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, the Spirit of God hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. It's, it's, It's a dark mass of stuff. And the first thing God does is turn the light on. Kids, what do you do when you go in a dark room? What's the very first thing you have to do? You turn the light on. That's just just wisdom. That's just order. That's just structure. That's what God does. Very first thing, God said, let there be light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. He called the light day. The darkness he called night. God separates light from dark. He turns the light on in creation. We read in verse 6. And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters. Let it separate the waters from the waters. So back in verse 2, we have this this, uh, spirit hovering over the face of the deep, the waters, and now God says, I'm going to create space. I'm going to make an expanse. There's going to be waters that are above that expanse and waters that are below that expanse, but I'm going to create space, we might say, in which to work. That's just just orderly, that's structure, that's wisdom. 
God creates a space, and then in verse 9, and God said, let the waters under the heavens, now the waters under the heavens, be gathered together in one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so, and God called the dry land earth, and the waters were gathered together. He called seas, and God saw it was good. God has created a space, and now he takes this watery mass under the space and says, let's have dry land appear. Let's have, let's have some place on which to put things. The order, the structure, the wisdom. Perhaps we've read this text so many times, we just miss how wise, how orderly, how structured God is in bringing light, in making an expanse, in, in separating water from land. He makes space, and then he fills that space. Verse 11, and God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth, and it was so. God, the, the, the first thing he has come up on the land is the plants. Now we know, because at the end of the chapter, God's going to say, these plants are for you to eat. God doesn't create a creature that needs to be fed before he creates the means for feeding it. First thing that comes up on the dry land, let there be plants. And God begins to fill this space, fill this land that he has made. He puts plants on the ground. What about the, what about the sky? Verse 14, and God said... Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate day from night. Let them be as signs for seasons and for days and for years. Let them be lights in the expanse of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. God has, has created a land and began to fill that. Now the expanse of space, he begins to fill that. And he fills that with, with light bearers. He fills that with the sun and the moon and the stars. He has created a space, and now he fills that space with, with light bearers that will give light on the earth. He goes on in verse 20. And God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures. Let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. Now God's going to do more filling He's be, he, he started filling the earth with plants, but there's all these waters yet below. Now these waters are being filled with all kinds of sea creatures. Again, kids, what, what, what would have happened if the first thing God made was a whale? No water for it. No place for it to live. But no, God has the waters, and now he starts to fill it with stuff. He fills the waters with all kinds of sea creatures. And this expanse in the heavens, yes, there's the stars far away, but the expanse of the heaven, he now fills with birds. All kinds of birds flying in the expanse. God, God orderly, structurally makes a space, and then he fills that space with what is necessary. We read in verse uh, 24, and God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures 
according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of, of the earth according to their kinds, and it was so, and God makes all the beasts. So now he's, 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 he's going back to the land. He's got vegetation there for things to eat. So now he creates something to eat the vegetation. It, it's the most orderly, structurally way to do it. Now the creatures appear, all kinds of these creatures. God's glory in creation, God's wisdom, God's power, God's majesty reflected in, 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 in the most simple reading of the text. We don't have to get caught up in all the controversies to see the beauty and the glory of God in creation. And then we read in verse 26, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. God is now going to, to create the pinnacle of his creation. In all these things that he has done, in turning on the light, in making the expanse, in separating land from water, in having plants come up, fish in the water, birds in the sky, creatures on the ground, in all of these things he's made so far. For none of them has he said, I made them in my image, after my likeness. Man is a distinct, unique creation of God unlike anything that came before. That's why an understanding of God's glory and creation is so fundamental to, to our own mental health. We don't have to seek our self-esteem in things that we have done. We recognize we are a unique creation of God in His image, the only one in His image. If you're having a difficulty with self-esteem, think about that. You're created in the image of God. Not the end product of random chance, but a distinct, unique creation. And God, crowning his creation with mankind, now gives him a task gives him a purpose in life. God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over the livestock, over all the earth and over every living creature that creeps on the ground. Verse 28, and God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over everything that moves on the ground. Man is given a purpose to have dominion over creation. And that creation is then meant to serve him, to help him in his purposes. He is given these various plants for food, creation made to serve mankind. It seems strange to have to say this today. But there is a difference between a plant and an animal 
and a person. I say it seems strange to have to say that. But we live in a world that fails to make those distinctions. That thinks that the life of a plant or the life of an animal is just as important as the life of a person. That yes, we are uh, perhaps uh, quantitatively more than the animals, but not qualitatively different. We have been given the purpose of having dominion over creation. Now, that, that, that doesn't mean we don't care about creation. It means because it's the creation of God and we were given dominion, we should be caring. We should be concerned about the creation God has made. But while we care about creation, we recognize the distinctions in creation. The life of an animal is not the same as the life of a person. Creation was made to serve man in order that man might serve God. Again, from our confession. He has given all creatures their being, form, and appearance, and their various functions for serving their creator. Even now, he also sustains and governs them all according to his eternal providence and by his infinite power, that they may serve man in order that man may serve God. Yes, we are given dominion over creation, but we are to do that in a way that brings glory to God. And so we do engage in the sciences. We engage in understanding more about creation. We engage in unfolding its potentialities. But we do so to the glory of God, recognizing that he is the creator of all that we see around us. God's glory in creation. And as we look at that creation, that creation over which we are to have dominion, we recognize it, 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 it too has been affected by the stain of sin. We don't see this, this beautiful Edenic picture still existing today. We see even in creation conflict and difficulty. We recognize that, 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 that creation bears the fall of sin. And if that is true for creation, how much more for us, also created beings, even though we are the pinnacle even though we are God's highlight, even though we bear his image. That image now is fallen. That image is tarnished. That image stands in need of redemption. And we are so thankful to God that he is not only the God of creation, but he is the God of recreation. The God who would send his own son, who would send Jesus Christ, the perfect image of God, who would come as, as the second Adam, where Adam would fail in this pristine creation. Christ would come down to that fallen creation and bring redemption. He would come, image of God, second Adam, 
to serve us in our fallenness. He would come to bring salvation. Yes, we, we see God's glory in creation, a glory in what he has made, but the fallenness is all around us. The fallenness is within our hearts as well. And so God calls us once again this morning to, to, to embrace this second Adam, to embrace this perfect image bearer, to put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ as the only hope for a fallen creation that we might be restored to fellowship with him, that we might be re-enlivened to love and to serve him, that our devotion to, to properly having dominion, to properly serving our God might be encouraged and might be strengthened by this same powerful almighty God. Yes, we looked this morning at a a very regular, ordinary story, one perhaps we've heard many, many times. Next week we'll look at the creation of angels. We'll get there next time. But, but we see very simply, creation bears witness to God, to his triune activity in creation, to his wisdom, his order, his structure, and to his call to us to recognize our place as image bearer, to recognize Jesus Christ, the perfect image bearer, and to put our faith and hope and trust in him. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, we thank you for the beauty of your word, a word that is so clear, a word that is so simple to read, a word that highlights again and again your glory. We praise you as God of creation. We praise you as God of redemption. We praise you as God over all. Accept our praise for Jesus' sake. Amen. Let's sing together from number 250 in the Trinity Psalter. Number 250, I sing the almighty power of God that made the mountains rise, that spread the flowing seas abroad and built the lofty skies. I sing the wisdom that ordained the sun to rule the day, the moon shines forth at his command, and all the stars obey. We'll sing all three verses. Number 250, let's stand together as we sing.
Receive the parting blessing of our God, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Amen.